you're listening to Charged Podcast, episode 31, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today, as always, is your co-host, John. How's things, John? Hey, Owen. Coming to you live from New York. Good. Pretty good. It's been a while since we talked about the weather. Yeah. It's my fault on both sides. First, it was Thanksgiving. Oh, of course. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do it yesterday. And what happened? But we could. Oh, that's right. It's my birthday. But you had, oh my God, happy birthday. Thank you. How was it? It was nice. It was pretty good. Good day. Did you have good birthday weather? That's the the key. Yep. It was good. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. Okay. So, shall we just get straight into it after that weather chat? Yeah. By the way, it's cold as hell here. I forgot to tell you. It's very cold it's here. Been pretty, it's been is not. pretty gross here for the last like three or four days, but now today it seems to be quite nice outside. So, that's it's really good. not. It's really not good here. Like, oh my God. I want to be in New York. All right. So, let's talk about your favorite topic of all time once once the uh, scraping ends <laughs> my favorite topic of all time fav- is it's yeah. not my favorite topic of Theranos. all time Theranos, Theranos is, my favorite is your topic favorite I just I just did a switcheroo no it's AWS we can't talk about Theranos <laughs> anymore because the problem with Theranos is that it's just like going from bad to worse so there's just the same shit, different yeah, day. It's like, oh, more people are suing them and more of the company's falling over nice. and more of it's on fire. Oh, well. But on happier okay. news. Your other favorite topic, the cloud. So can you explain <laughs> what AWS reInvent is? Do you know? What is AWS is probably even a better question. Right, do you want to explain that? So everybody knows what Amazon is, right? Like the, the place you buy stuff. A lot of people probably don't realize that there's a service called Amazon Web Service that basically what? Like runs most of the internet now? It's a cloud computing system on demand. You can sign up and you can get a server in like five seconds. It's really nice. And then, so they kind of do a bit of everything now. So they do the cloud, they do a content delivery network, they do, God, uh, serverless computing, which is crazy. We'll get into that another day. But they have this thing every year called AWS reInvent, which is their, what, like their flagship conference where they save all their news for, for people to... I guess like you go there for what three days and they just pummel you with the latest stuff and train you. It's pretty cool. It's pretty good. But this one was pretty big. It was really big, I think. So what were the highlights? Give us the uh, TLDR. Sure. So just one more quick one on really what cloud computing actually is so that people aren't confused and I'll just be really, really fast because I think everybody uses the word cloud to describe anything that's on the internet. Um, and that's yeah, not it doesn't really mean quite what it everything. means. Cloud isn't really a term anymore, but anyway. Um, Amazon right. basically redefined all of the physical infrastructure concepts that you would have in running a software application um, via software. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So before where you would have uh, RAM and hard drive space and... CPU and network and all these things, they just like made it all software defined and then they ran it on one computer and then you can just mark that up uh, because you have a software defined version of the computer. So it's sort of like a hotel with hotel rooms or a condo with like a condo developer with condos. Um, You have this like physical Mm -hmm. capital asset and you run software on top of it, you mark it up, which if traditionally cloud when it kind of became defined was 
you were just virtualizing the same thing that you had underneath, if that makes sense. So like you're just virtualizing the right. whole computer. Oh yeah. And that was a, the old days. Was a VPS basically. And then the concept of cloud was we'll split all of those concepts out into their own little services. And then applications will run as services instead of like these monolithic um kind of one together bundled like database and everything on one VPS right, type. Right. So that's cool and it worked really well and it enabled you to not have to like buy all the computers yourself and put them in the wall or like, you know, it was just like took so much complexity <laughs> out of it, but actually in turn right. created a bunch of complexity because not only did they redefine these traditional primitives, these things that we knew how to use because they were hardware concepts, they also created some new specific kind of server backend concepts that were really right. tailored specifically to web applications. And those are things like Lambda um, and S3 and stuff like that. Um, so, so what did they announce? With that in mind. Well, so... The reason that I think actually their announcements are interesting are less about the technology and more about what's happening in cloud right now. So when we were doing DigitalOcean a long time ago, when we kind of really like five years ago or four years ago, um, thought about like, okay, how can we make the kind of VPS model really good and really fast and really accessible? And that was going to be for consumers. And right, right, and cheap, and cheap, and that kind of. So before we did that, before that existed, other than this company called Slicehost, uh, you'd mostly. Oh like, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, you'd use like OVH or Hertzner or like Rackspace or Linode or someone, and it was like a really painful experience. It was really much more. Uh, similar to the original, like um, taking your server and plugging it into the wall, and, like provisioning it that yeah. way, sort of. Like it took a long time, and they didn't really care and stuff like that. So, we sort of knew that as Amazon defined cloud as this business tool, all the businesses would move to it, and so it would be silly to like try and be in the business space. You should try and be in the consumer space. And so if you believe that to be true, you believe there's going to be a consolidation then between companies that run all of these business apps, Linode, Hertzner, OVH, uh, you know, all these different infrastructures and service providers. So that, in my mind, three and a half, four years ago was going to happen. End of 2000 and kind of like end of 2018 was when there would be like the meat and potato of the consolidation would start to happen. And so if you're a company like DigitalOcean and that consolidation happens, you're in a really good space because people will migrate to you and stuff. Um, And so I think that's true for Amazon too, because they came out on this uh, with something that I think a lot of people didn't think they would ever do, which is like a standalone VPS product that's basically exactly the same as DigitalOcean. Um, Same pricing plans. Yeah, it looks like exactly the same kind of like basically the same product. Um, But, and so like a lot of people are like, well, is that bad news for DigitalOcean? And I don't really think it is because I think that if your core competency is consumer cloud and you're going after individual software developers, not big businesses and like helping people learn how to use the cloud and learn what software is, like the 
product is really geared up to it's do that. It's not Amazon. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Amazon is not consumer friendly at no. all. <laughs> and I, someone emailed me and they're like, do you have a comment on this? And I was like, yeah, it's like Maserati coming out with a Ford Focus. Like maybe seven <laughs> or eight people are going to buy one to like check out the Maserati Ford Focus. But like, yeah. I could, so people see the similarities, I think, because of those prices. They're like, oh, Amazon's offering a flat rate VPS now. That's really nice. But it's actually pretty misleading. I think with DigitalOcean, when you hit the, the caps, like they don't really charge you that much more or not at all. I think you get warnings or whatever. Yeah. But with Amazon, you really start paying. And it's really hard to know. If you look at the fine print on those VPSs, it can get scary pretty quick if your VPS goes off the deep end of traffic or whatever. So it's not, it's still not the same. Nope. So I'm not worried about that. I think it's good. The other thing that came out um, that was really cool from AWS is AWS Greengrass? The snowmobile? Snowmobile oh. is cool. But <laughs> that, while you, while you find the name of that, this thing is dope. It's, it's crazy. So if you have an old school data center, say you're, I don't know, an accounting firm and you have a shitload of data. Amazon's new service at Snowmobile is a literal truck that they drive to you and you just plug it into your data center and pump data in. It's beautiful. It's great. It's a literal truck. But if you think about and it. And it comes with security guards. If you think about it, if you're a bank and you want to move to the cloud, yeah. like how are you going to get all your shit from your that's like half the concern it's is perfect. like how do I get my stuff out of the bank and into AWS? Only Amazon can make this, though. It's amazing. <laughs> and aren't they custom making them for every customer that orders one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a bespoke service. Chef Barr said <laughs> that he would, uh, he would custom build the first five orders of them and then really? go on delivery with them and, like, show up. Oh, my God. Jeff, it's so Jeff badass. Barr is the, like, chief, or chief evangelist of AWS. Of course he would. <laughs> So the thing Shit. I thought that's cool as well, and they already had um, was it called like slow snow globe or something like that or snowball? Yeah, it was similar. It was like hard drives. Though. Yeah, big like hard drives that you literally shipped uh, by U UPS. Huge boxes of hard drives you could plug in. Yeah, um, they also came out with this thing called AWS Greengrass, which I think is really interesting. Okay, um, didn't hear of this one. Yeah, so basically, if you like, so let's say that you have an IoT device. Right. Um, so my thermostat. Yeah. And you you like only so basically you would like ship your IoT device with AWS Greengrass basically as the OS on the device. And right. it runs oh, wow. and it gives you a local environment to do compute messaging uh, and data caching. And it all, all and it it uses its own proprietary stuff so it can't be hacked or like do like crazy DDoS attacks and stuff like that. Um, and it connects up to the AWS cloud using a proprietary like secure format. And then it'll send the events and stuff that come out of the like device from the local like IoT de device from Greengrass straight up as an AWS Lambda function. So yeah, you can like send it straight from the... Like you're effectively doing like straight from the device to the front end, like the event, like oh wow, like cool. yeah, that's pretty cool. So it dumps down the device a lot. Yeah, and also like you don't you don't need to like you don't need to like worry about figuring out how to like um like so if you think about like an IoT device, you're like okay, 
first I need to think about what operating system this device is going to run. Then I need to think about what software I'm going to use on the like if I run Linux, then what am I going to use as the image capture driver if I'm a mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I'm a like webcam or something? And then am I going to rsync it back up to the uh, server or am I going to FTP it up to the server? Or am I going to W yep, get yep. it from get like how am I going to get it? Do to I the have server? processing power for that? Yeah, yep. and all that stuff, right? And so when you're actually designing an IoT device from the software perspective, like people are basically like the reason there's such a problem is people are putting full computer OSs on webcams, right? And like I know it's, it's beautiful, it's insane. Like it just doesn't. You like your thermostat doesn't need a full computer. It needs something that can like collect metrics and send them off to the cloud right and so yeah indeed that is exactly what they built here i think it's going to be amazing um if like yeah i'm super keen amazon wants to own iot it's like they have so many different iot products now it's quite interesting to see them kind of go after the 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 fundamentals rather than the products themselves right now it's pretty cool yeah it's amazing you just like literally just install Greengrass core on your device that runs Linux and then it just like does everything for you. It's like, all right, really run nice. your Lambda functions, send so, your messages off to AWS. Sick. Super good. Well, everybody's distracted with like Apple's HomeKit and Google Brillo or whatever it is. Amazon's secretly actually just controlling the, the entire market potentially. Sure. Like that's what Amazon is a platform company. And if you're not if you're not a a like technology company today and you're not utilizing AWS as your um, mm. platform you're silly because like people mm-hmm. look at like you, pe- business people and like analysts and people like that you have to look at the business holistically right you can't just look at the it right. department which is what when you hear people compare the clouds they're like oh you know what like yeah amazon's pretty good but google compute's gonna like take them over one day whatever yeah but i'm thinking <laughs> the whole business aws as a whole plat like amazon as a whole platform end-to-end physical logistics delivery like uh, connected devices uh like yeah access to market literally everything it's literally the whole business platform defined by software like jeff bezos has made the modern marketplace like you want to be selling using the whole amazon ecosystem if you like if businesses run to that right now they'll have such a competitive advantage and learn it they'll have such competitive advantage it's not even funny sorry i'm ranting but like no no it's it good drives it's me good. nuts people are like oh no like amazon is the beast so if you're in it and you don't pay attention you should you should <laughs> really you should. pay attention yep all Tell right us about fitbit and pebble huh <laughs> Fitbit and Pebble oh. equals WTF. <laughs> That's what I've got it written down well, here. Fitbit oh man, not doing well. Fitbit's terrible, man. And so I'm completely biased because I've had constant terrible interactions with Fitbit, which I won't go into right now. But the rumor is that Pebble is being acquired by Fitbit for a crazy low amount of money. Like it's a would be a down round. I don't know what the term is if it's an acquisition, but it's bad. And what the fuck? It's Pebble and Fitbit. Like, it doesn't even make sense. Pebble makes, like, really nice watches and Fitbit makes, well, really crappy fitness tracking. <laughs> I guess I guess it's their core, core competency, but, like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Neither of those businesses are very feasible either. So Fitbit I don't know. or Pebble has taken on $15.3 million in funding. And I think they said they were yeah, going to sell they're the Kickstarter darling, right? So that's where they came from. And Fitbit is 
really sport wearable. So I assume what they really want to do is become fashionable. But Pebble, I don't know if that's <laughs> the right choice. Well, and also wearables. Probably uh, good engineering teams like, joining together now. Yeah. So I have friends. I have friends that work at Pebble, and their industrial engineering teams are probably what they're what they're going for here. Pebble is good at making fairly attractive devices. Unfortunately, they're only good at appealing to nerds. But maybe Fitbit can help. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. And I'm kind of bummed about it because Fitbit sucks. But Pebble was a really nice company. Well, it was beginning to become a really nice company. So it's kind of like, it sucks if they abandon what the what they were doing. I like this. I don't On know. October 30th, 2015, Fitbit stock price was $40 a share. And on and now it's all November fourth, two thousand and sixteen. So effectively a year later, it's eight dollars and seven cents. Yeah, it's penny stocks. It's the thing with Fitbit is it doesn't it doesn't have a, a mass appeal. Like they can't get the distribution that Apple has very easily, and it's they're playing a game where they can be crushed at any moment. Basically, weird, by I see a first a party lot wearable of people wearing Fitbits. Yeah, so. I do too, but I've noticed that most people who buy one Fitbit won't buy again. Yeah, well, why would and you just wear that I thing think for that's like the years? It's like kind of like GoPro. No, no. It doesn't last, though. That's the problem. Mm. Fitbit's real problem is most of the devices aren't reliable and they break. If you Google, uh, I can't forget the error, uh, remember the error. I think it's if you Google Fitbit error 53, it's their, their famous Wi-Fi scales that suddenly just brick themselves overnight and you can't use them again. And their support is infamous for not helping anybody. So it's like they're not only not making, uh, you know, strong, reliable devices. Their support is awful. And so anybody who who has interacted with them tends to not go back. And now I'm probably going to get 100 emails from people who love their Fitbits. But I stand by that. I'm not the only person who had this problem. It's it's weird. I, I don't know. Wearables as a public company, ooh, risky. Yeah, <laughs> the market is fickle. Fish, it's not only going into te- like technology, but you're also moving into fashion, and it's even Apple was struggling with that game. So, who is trying to go? That's, in, that's my who else is trying to go into fashion and IPO. Oh God, uh, don't make me think. I have no idea who. What? Who is IPOing in fashion? Snapchat. No. Yes. Snapchat it's go- going yes? into fashion and trying to IPO. It is Snapchat, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Creepy. I don't like it. <laughs> so, I'm not I'm not bullish on Snapchat anymore, John. Although the spectacles, what do you think? You got some somehow. I do have some. Somehow. What the hell? Do you still wear them? Do you I've wear them? I've never worn them. I wore them once to try what? to check them out. You wore them once? Just to check them out. You, you bought... $150 of glasses and you wore them once. Yeah, I know, because you bought them off a panhandler. Yep. So you bought them and you wore them once. What's wrong with them? Okay, so I'll tell you the story. So the <laughs> booth has come... Like Also, they went to New York the day I left. Just need to make that clear. I'm still sad about that. The day I left New Carry York, on. they opened a store. And the store is just a space that they've rented in a in, across from the apple store that has their um uh booth thing in it and so i got there and like i got there in the morning and my girlfriend lives like five blocks from there so i was just like All right, i'm gonna just wander over and like whatever so i get over there and there's only like 10 people in the line and i'm like um so like when are they opening or whatever like there's only 10 people here maybe i should just wait 
And the dude in the line is like, oh, yeah, they're opening at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, my God. No way. So this was at like 8 a.m. the day before that. So I'm like, uh, you guys are crazy. But but there was a person wandering around offering to sell some pairs that they had bought the day before for a markup. So I bought a pair from this dude on the street. Um at a markup, it was like super legit. He had the receipt and everything. <laughs> oh my god, it was all sealed. Uh, and nice. I was like, all right, well, whatever. It's I, really I nice. Know I can like at minimum sell these things to Owen for like two hundred dollars later. So I'll just shush just him out. Um, <laughs> I'm the most gullible buyer. But then I also like that you thought it was impressive that I waited till I got home to open them. Or I really, Laura got home. I really thought that. Um, so you put them on once. So I put them on once. They're cool, but yeah, they're cool. Like, well, okay, so I'll describe everything to you. I was expecting bike videos from you, John. Well, yeah. Okay, so basically, the other thing is I wear glasses, and I don't know how to, like, deal with that situation. Like, I have to put them oh, on yeah, top of my glasses. Oh, yeah, you have to wear glasses, contacts, I guess. So I don't wear contacts. Shit. So, <laughs> okay. but I thought about that when I bought them. I was just like, well, I also knew that probably there would be a company that would come out that would switch them or i could just take them like switch the lenses to my prescription lenses and then sure enough yesterday a company announced that they were like replacing lenses and snapchat glasses with the prescription but anyway so it comes in like a, a sort of tube that you might get like um christmas you know christmas balls come in those like weird yeah. round tubes with the little lid and they're yeah and they're like plasticky and sort of cylindrical. Like a, almost like a tennis ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super uh, like that. Super uh, like that. Older. But, but yeah. big and thick. Like a, like a, um, pretty big. Like you could almost fit like two, two uh, scotch bottle bottles in it. Like it's quite big. Right, right. Uh, and then inside that is a yellow, very heavy very dense feeling and sort of rubbery speckly white and um, yellow and black uh case and it has like a little um tag sort of sewn onto it that just has um the little like spectacles logo which is just a little black circle sort of with another circle around it and then on the back of it you notice that there's in the middle um three little pins which if you know about technology you're like oh that must be for charging so right to that it's like oh that must be for charging and then really 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 good um like super intense uh hinges on it so like when you it's like hard wow. open and it like snaps back closed like very forcefully like almost wow. scarily forcefully so this thing is like sturdy for sure it's not plasticky like the, <laughs> the most sturdy like case yeah, yeah, ever it's like the, definitely the sturdiest glasses case i've ever held and it's like big and bulky <laughs> like it's like holding a six innovation inch, like sub in your hand it's huge um and then the glasses on your on frames glasses where the um the legs of the glasses meet the frame you know how there's that little joint there on the top right and left that joint is quite thick and it houses the that's quite a small camera i would say that the but it doesn't fold still i would still say the join is about the size of one of those mini size big lighters um wow probably but cut in half so like 
it's, wow. so it's like kind of thick and inside of that has a little camera um, and then it's also right. magnetic and then inside of the case there's like two little indents where you can yeah. put the glasses into the case and then it's magnetic and it like clicks into place on the case. oh that's really nice. cool and then that passes the charge from the case to the glasses right so what's the experience like though how does it work like what do you so do you put it on and why is it bad there's one lens in each or one like um camera lens in each side of the glasses uh on the right side which is the side that has i guess the primary lens it also has a little um led circle around it and it's quite it's very elegant like it doesn't it's not cheap it, like they didn't like buy cheap leds it like twirls like smoothly and nicely like it doesn't look like click click like tick like the LED moves around to like give you a countdown around the lens sort of as if like a clock was ticking around a, t- a clock face, but it spins really smoothly like a Rolex sort of like, you know, how you have like the Rolex lens that they are really smooth. Like it's super smooth, which I thought was like, there's little things about it that I noticed that I was like, oh, they've actually put these, these there's nothing cheap in this. Like, it's really yeah, well it made. Really yeah. well made. Um, and then, so you push this button uh, and then it just starts the, I guess Snapchat's 10 seconds, is it? Yeah, 10, 10 seconds max. 10 seconds countdown. And then if you push it again, you get another 10 seconds. Like that's just a special feature of glasses that you can record up to 20 seconds. Um, really? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so I would say that the most worst part of it is the experience on the phone. Um, so pairing them was a little bit con- like took like, it wasn't complicated. It just didn't work right away. And like, I had to like fudge around it with it a bunch. You like point the, you point the, the glasses at the app and turn on your Bluetooth. And then it like seems to like automatically pair itself and stuff. But so it's supposed to be nice, but it's, it's not. It's definitely supposed to like be a super amazing experience, but it's kind of annoying. But whatever. Right. Um, right. So then once you've taken the, um, you've recorded these thing like the snaps they record onto the glass i get like onto the spectacles themselves and then you open up the snapchat app and scroll up and it opens up into your memories tab and that's where your um spectacle oh so it doesn't auto edit it it sends it into um your specs tab on your uh phone Hmm which is kind of cool it's basically a chronological timeline of every day and then it just shows you when you click into that day what all of the um spectacle snaps you took that day were and then you can just click on one and then it gives you the option to edit it and then you can send it up to your snapchat um and then it has that cool feature where obviously because the uh, recording is a wider view than your phone can display because your vo- phone uh, you generally hold in either the yeah the, the circular horizontal video. or the yeah vertical manner. When you spin the phone around, it like s- is showing you everything that isn't displayed. Like imagine that the circle was in front of you, and then as you turn the phone, it's sort of like so you can see like. In the corner of your eye, kind yeah, of. It's kind almost, of like I don't know, that's that, how I think I of it. I haven't actually seen it anywhere else before. It's really cool to see it in action. It's like so you hope when you see it in a snap, you're just like, "Wow, this is so cool!" Yeah. What would you call that? Anyway, so why don't you like it? It's circular video. That's what it is. It's independent of any orientation, so you can hold your phone upside down and it works, or sideways. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's really nice. There's no official name because Snapchat invented it. It's cool. <laughs> so, what do I think? 
basically, I think it's like, is it built to the standard of a $140 piece of equipment in like what we build as $140 pieces of equipment today? Yeah, probably better actually than a lot of things you pay $140. Uh, dollars for like it's pretty yeah. good but it's still just a snapchat toy right like it can't, it can't do very much it just like it doesn't do anything yeah, it else sends, like it's just a trendy pair of sunglasses that can send some videos to snapchat so i guess if you really like and the snapchat videos, and that's like a like, yeah you, that's your main social network which i think a lot of like kids and teenagers people, stuff yeah. love snapchat like i'm sure they'll love but that's it. what they're going for like it is for the teens yeah. <laughs> the millennials um i and the line is very reflective of that at the store. I yeah, think. they're cool. I like they. They're fun to wear. Like they look cool to wear too. Like I do like them. Um, and I would say like actually they're they're just like kind of a fun party trick. Like when you're at a party sure. and you're like you get your hands free and you can kind of like it just it's like it is like that um sort of voyeuristic wandering around the party kind of video that you get and it's like sort of it's cool it's an interesting perspective so i i would love to try it on my bike oh my god <laughs> i don't know how to assess it like i don't i wouldn't say i like it or dislike it it's just like a thing that exists and it's just different it's just, yeah it's cool it's i don't know what it means for anything i think i think i think it maybe doesn't mean anything yeah, it doesn't mean anything <laughs> it'll depend and snapchat's release of it is kind of serendipitous right like the ipo is soon and they want to prove that they're doing stuff it's kind of a smart move. Like I've said before, like I think I would be long on Snapchat as like a 12 to maybe a $12 billion like media company, right? That has like... But they think they're 25 right. billion. And that's where I think that's the disconnect for me with Snapchat. Like Snapchat could have a very cool like MTV type company on its hands, which would be worth a lot of money, but not... Yeah. But not... You know, twenty five billion is insane. It's like a bank is worth that much money. So like, we talked about how much Hasbro was worth right. last time. It was like what five or ten billion. Yeah. Stupidly low. Okay, well that's Snapchat spectacles. I want a pair, and now I need to come visit you <laughs> again. So one other thing to talk about. Why not just jump into how creepy Uber apparently is? So a lot of people have been complaining this week about an Uber update that quietly removed the option. There used to be an option on iPhone. You have an option to say only share my location with this app while I'm using it, or you can say always or none, but Uber removed the while using app option this week, kind of justifying it and saying that they need always on location access to help uh, a have a safer trip. So during the trip, they make sure that you're still with the driver and B they now track your location for five minutes after your up to five minutes after your trip to make sure you got dropped off in the right place to make sure that whatever safety whatever but people are crazy angry about this thing like oh my god why does uber track me for five minutes after my trip i can't believe it unbelievable what like what but i think that them asking for always the there's two problems first of all i think them asking for always on air quotes location access isn't crazy because iOS kind of makes you do that to stay in the background for more than two or three minutes. And otherwise your app gets killed. And when you reopen it, it goes really slowly. And B, five minutes after the trip actually kind of makes some reasonable sense. They make sure that you are separate from the driver. They make sure that you're going to your destination and they don't track anything else. It seems reasonable to me. I don't know. I think the privacy 
people are privacy people oh god that sounds awful no just the the outrage over it is misplaced them having while you are using app uh permissions doesn't actually you should the app should stay alive in the background during your trip otherwise every time you restart it it takes forever you use uber a lot right so what do you think you used to use uber a lot Ooh. oh yeah that's right you use yellow caps now i remember why what, Why did you stop using Uber, first of uh, all? I stopped using Uber because, uh, well... I put you on the spot. No, you did. It's just like <laughs> a lot recently I've just been thinking about how about technology and the application of technology to society. And I just like... I'm of, I'm of two very mixed minds on Uber and companies like Uber. On one hand, I think that... Mm-hmm. Uber really pushed a lot of things forward, basically. And like, we probably wouldn't be thinking about city and urban transit in new and interesting ways if it weren't for companies like Uber. And I also think that they've been interesting in moving forward the conversation on autonomous and just like a, Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. bigger picture conversation on like how incomes and jobs are changing both America in America and in the world. And so, so it's more a conscious move. Well, I like yeah, a like, conscience move. I think the problem that I have with Uber is that it's been a very swift kind of upper gut at the taxi industry. And the more and more that I work in city tech and the more and more that I like see how cities are struggling and kind of what's going on in the world, the more I, I just kind of go, well, whether like whether or not uber is more convenient or whatever and like whether it's more disruptive or has added value to people's lives or whatever i still feel like these people need my support and so if i'm gonna right do peer-to-peer transit i'm just gonna support uh, like a because i i really there's a really stark an interesting difference between uber drivers and taxi drivers they're just different Mm -hmm, types mm -hmm. of people and and I more and more that I've started riding in yellow cabs, like I've enjoyed the conversations. You know, you were with me when we did that. Like that's Yeah, yeah. John chats up uh the the cab guy to ask him a world question. It's great. Yeah, every cab I get and I'm always like, So what's going on? What do you think about the environment? How do you feel about global warming? Do you think technology is gonna take your job? Like, what do you think about uh like Uber? Like just whatever I feel like asking them about. And they're really super honest and they love And so that kind of goes back to also an interesting point on this article that came out recently about Uber's business model and how like everyone thinks Uber is great and it's 40%. Yeah, like Uber's economics, unit economics aren't actually real. Yeah, it's what was it? They only they they basically write off. You are only paying for 40% of the ride. So it costs them 60% more than the actual whatever you paid because they're bankrolling it, right? They're killing everybody else. Yep. That's all it is. Yep. So that's scary. I think, like, I don't know. I, I won't. I will not put the kind of strong prediction that I put on Therapnos that I put on Uber. In that, like, <laughs> I think. But the problem is, at the end of the day, if you actually hurt people, you can't operate your business because people like. Not even that people won't consciously let you do it. Eventually, over time, it just like doesn't. 
like there's some block that happens in in the market and business and humans where you can't right, right. actually push much further forward, right? And we've seen that time and time again in history. And when I see what Uber is doing and I speak to these people, I'm like, whether or not we want to see it or admit it, it it's giving it's like kind of like the Trump and and Clinton thing. Like there's a bunch of liberals that love using it and there's a bunch of you know, like that's my comparison. Like, I don't think people realize how much the families of the people who are Uber drivers and in those communities and stuff hate Uber because it has impacted the taxi industry massively. Yeah. So I just think when that happens, things never end up being the way you want them to be. If you're working for people, companies get big and huge and amazing and go on forever. Right. And and we can see that in the public markets. Look at the companies in the in the public markets they are traditionally at least have earned their ability to stay there for such a long period of time because they've served they've created useful products at a fair price that have added real value and like that's that's the last 15 to 20 years we've lost that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and uber i think so, is maybe a is maybe an example of that of of of, right. of a company that so doesn't do you- add that sorry that's a. I think that's a pretty. It's a pretty compelling reason. Well, it's very existential. <laughs> I think also like it is very existential, but it's also the other thing I kind of think of is the cab companies were never particularly ethical themselves, and I think that sure Uber Uber is kind of awful in what it does, but the cab driving companies were never very stand up on their own. And I don't. I mean, I don't really have any data to back that up, but like no, I think that's accurate. The way that it worked was awful. And the way that Uber works is not necessarily the answer either, but both are terrible. <laughs> See, I would have much rather seen Uber come and give Uber to the taxi drivers and say, we're going to take a percentage of your right. ride, but like, here's a better way to do rides. Here's a platform yeah. and have fun. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, here we are in the future, capitalism. Anyway, back to privacy. Two-minute answer. Do you or do you not think it's creepy? to have always on oh, location access no. technically no. no i agree <laughs> okay no but the, i think they need that data and they said very clearly that it's for fraud and to make sure that rides are safe and rah, 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 rah. i think it makes sense it's not as evil as it sounds and also apple requires you to do that if you want your app to stay alive in the background when you're on a trip that it's as simple as that and that's what they're doing so that's the end of that discussion if you want to argue with us find us on slack one last thing which what what should we make you, the last thing, John? Um, shut down Slack invites, huh? I did. Like I shut them down, as in I did nothing. Can we talk <laughs> for a second also about this? We had had a conversation in the Slack about how we were gonna. Okay, so we don't want to do adverts, but no, ever. I don't want to be talking about Trello, and <laughs> also we can't have Owen editing the podcast every week anymore because it takes up too much of his time no it's true and we do this which already takes up lots of our time we love doing it but the editing is definitely a slog so what was the suggestions that we put in slack and then we we're going to make a poll but then if we announce this we actually have to make the poll well we're not i don't think we're going to announce anything i'm not sure if we're going to do a poll or not i think i'm just going to decide how it will work <laughs> um so the the idea is basically that eventually we'll charge for community access, which will get you a bunch of stuff, not just not just the podcast related stuff. So like you'll probably get some bonus articles, or I don't know yet. Uh, I'll have news on it in the new year. 
basically. What do you think of Patreon? I like Patreon, but the problem is it offloads. It doesn't... It's just like a please donate. You don't really like... There's no automated system. My my tech nerd and me wants a really nice platform where you just pay and you get access to all the things. Like, that's it. Rather than, like, go to this website and pay and also, like, it's only if you feel bad for us. I think that we're building a really nice community and I think the people who listen want to hear what we have to say and if they want to hang out they can pay a small very small fee for access to useful information and useful community and valuable insights and i think that's what we have so we'll see i haven't decided anything yet and we'll talk about it a lot more before it happens so no need to panic plenty of time john okay just preparing all the time yeah like I'm really, I'm really like thinking about it all at the moment. So I also I'm not doing my newsletter right now, so I can rejig and figure out how to do that as well. So it's kind of like December is a thoughtful month. Did someone it's very nice also ask for? Um, it'd be interesting to hear a short bio from both of you and a little bit of background on the work that you've been involved in. Oh, really? Where did they ask that? Questions. I go read the questions Sleep? channel on Slack. Oh, nice. Well, we can say it all the way at the end. Actually, okay. Two things I want to talk about. Shall we talk about? Google Home real yeah, quick. I want, I want to hear and what you think about it. So when Owen was in New York, about he bought a Google Home. I thought it. I, I wrote, made John come yeah, with me. And then he set it up in my apartment when we got back. And then he and I spent a good half hour just asking Google Home. Drunkenly yelling at it. questions. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it now? Like three weeks later? Yup. Yeah. Uh, so I've had it here at my house for a little while. I really like it. I was at your house. We were making fun of it quite a lot because it's kind of like it's quite easy to stump it, right? It's kind of easy to back it into a corner where it can't answer. It's actually really compelling. So a couple of things. First of all, having it in the kitchen makes total sense. If you cook a lot or if you're just in like at our house, we're in the kitchen all the time. Really nice. And if you're if you have a couple of Chromecasts, it gets even better. I don't know where to start. So First of all, uh, being able to just say things out loud while you're doing stuff in your house, it's got really good microphones. I can say stuff from the lounge and it seems to pick it up. It's really, really useful. So you can say, hey, Google, what's... Oh, it just it just turned on. It just heard me. <laughs> I just heard the little bloop. So if you say that, I'm not going to say it again. Otherwise, I'm going to keep setting it off. And then you say, what's one cup in ounces? It will give you the answer. If you say, how far in kilometers is it from here to the moon and back? It'll give you the answer. If you say, set me a reminder for two days from now to buy underpants, it will give you the answer. Really, really nice. Other stuff that's really cool is, uh, I can't say it too loudly because it'll hear me. Okay, Google, play music in the living room. And it works. It's super nice. And the other, the super interesting thing for me is, I don't know if Femme listens to the podcast or not, so I won't say anything too mean. But she, when I bring tech home, my girlfriend doesn't really like it very much because usually it's annoying or she has to change the way that she does stuff. But this is the first device I bought into the house. I put it there. I showed her how it worked once, and then she just used it. Like I didn't, I didn't have to convince her that this thing was useful or kind of nice to have. She just uses it, and she'll say like hey, what's, uh, you know, what's the weather today? Or, hey, play me some music in the living room. Or, hey, how much does one orange weigh? Like, whatever. But she actually uses it, and I didn't have to convince her, and I really like that. The smart home stuff is really cute as well. You can ask it to turn the temperature up, or you can ch- change the, like, brightness of light bulbs. Super nice. I don't know. I like it in general. I thought it was going to be shit, but the voice recommend- rec- uh, recognition is really good. And 
it's just nice to have around. It's super cheap. I mean, a hundred bucks and you get a nice speaker that can play music. It's great. I love it. There's a lot of stuff that they need to add. The fact that it doesn't work with Google apps is inexcusable, <laughs> inexplicable as well. But other than that, it's really nice. I don't know. I, I want one in every room if they improve it in the next year. I wouldn't buy any more until I see if Google's already sticking with it, but I really, really like it. So that's it. That's my rant about Google Home. It's nice. You should get it. It's cheap. And uh, if anybody asks, is Google Home better than Amazon Echo? It depends. I've used both Amazon Echo, Amazon Echo. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, with Amazon, it's really focused on purchasing and like that kind of thing. Google Home knows, it has Google inside, plus it knows about your day because you use Gmail and stuff all day. So it's really nice. Okay, that's that. Now, about us. Tell me your bio, John. Oh, God. Where to begin? Who are you? Okay, let's see if David answers. David Bird? What are we going to ask him? About quantum mechanics. Oh, wow. I feel like we just get voicemails a lot these days. I know. Hey, John. Oh, hey, David. (laughs) You're on the podcast. (laughs) I'm on the podcast? Yeah. We do this new thing where I just call someone random from my phone, and if they answer, then we ask them a question. Okay, cool. What's the question? So first you have to say who you are and what you do for work. Uh, I'm David Bird. I work at OneCubit where we build software for quantum computers. Cool. That's interesting. Dope. Okay. So our question is, do you think, what is going to be the most interesting advancement in quantum computing in the next 20 years? Wow. Big question. 20 years. I think... I think it'll be when we can merge the stuff we're doing on quantum computers with classical computers, like with Linux. So you just, in the same way you have like oh, wow. a graphics card, you can just like plug your mm-hmm. quantum computer into your normal computer and then it can do the stuff that it's good at. And then the processor today can do the stuff they're good at. And that will be really interesting. Ah, that's an interesting point. That was a great answer. Okay. He can't hear me, but it was a great answer. Thank you, David. You're the best. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, that was fun. That was really nice. Something. <laughs> I love how out of the blue it was. Okay, so basically me, um, I went to college. I went to the Georgian School of Visual Art and Design, which is outside of Toronto. I grew up in the UK in a tiny little village. Um, in the 90s, I was involved in this thing called DeviantArt, and I was the director of community there. DeviantArt, I love it. From 97 to 2006 or something like that. It's a whole very long time. Uh, and I worked with Jark, uh, Scott Jarkoff, who was the... Uh, him and Angelo founded DeviantArt together and kind of built the whole thing in the community. So I was very involved with DeviantArt for a very long time. Um, and that kind of got me into internet. And I had Linux servers and my friend and I had a little ISP and we would like run FTP and shell accounts and stuff like that. I don't know. Just when I was like, I'm 31. So when I was like fifth, uh, 12 or 13, I like started internetting and I haven't stopped then. Uh, and then I think the thing that I'm most known for and the reason that we met each other was that I was the uh, chief technology evangelist and VP of strategy at DigitalOcean, which is a B2C cloud hosting provider, which came out of nowhere about four years ago. And we grew from being a tiny little business to the second largest cloud provider in the world, over $100 million in revenue, uh, 300 people, big, huge company. Um, And I've 
had CMO and kind of jobs of like that sort between uh, the beginning and now. So now I'm wow. the CEO of a company that um, builds software for cities that allows them to take all of their disparate data sources and put them together in one um, kind of cloud-esque platform and run analysis on them and figure out efficiency of cities and what's going on and what kind of data they have and how to make it useful. Your turn. Good TLDR. That was like really fast. Mine is not that exciting. I'm from New Zealand. I grew up in a very small town. Man, it feels like one of those dating videos from the 90s. <laughs> I enjoy long walks on the beach. <laughs> yeah, I'm from a small town in New Zealand. Uh, I studied comp sci and I hated it. And so in my end of my first year, I somehow landed an infrastructure engineering job doing consulting work for this huge, <laughs> this huge company uh, in New Zealand. I still finished my degree because that's the thing you should do. And I did that part time. It really sucked. And so I worked for this company for a long time, installed huge infrastructure systems for big clients in New Zealand, like think utilities and all that kind of thing. While I was there, Amazon Web Services came out and Google Apps was a thing. And so I started learning all of that, got a job at an accounting firm, helping them transition to that. And then I decided I hated being an infrastructure engineer because everybody moans at you. <laughs> only like They only love you when something goes wrong. So I decided I'd be a developer. Did that at a startup for a year or two. Then I was like kind of looking for my next big thing. Oh my God, this is such a long story. And got in touch with these folks at the next web who were like, hey, you want to like write full time and get to review cool gadgets and shit and work from home? And I was like, hell yeah. And they were like, all right. And so they hired me. I did that. It t- turns out I was pretty good at writing and had I had been doing it on the side for a long time. Moved to Amsterdam for them, then quit this year. And now I'm a kind of CTO, head of digital for a bike company who's trying to become a technology company, which is really cool. So I'm kind of helping articulate tech to them. And that's my story. And I still write all the time and hang out with John. <laughs> That's it. Yep. TLDR. And he's famous Boom. on the Twitter sphere. I have a How lot of tweets. I mean, followers. Now? 22K, mate. Meow. Oh, my God. Meow, meow, meow. One day I'll delete my account. Anyway, that was me. That is John. And we're just under an hour. It's do you want perfect. To do one last topic? What? I don't know. One last topic. Amazon one. Go. We need to talk about Amazon right, Go. Let's do it. Go. It's a weird, weird, like, weirdly felt like we're wrapping up, and now we're going to talk about that. So like an hour ago, Amazon announced the first grocery store without cashiers. Uh, yeah, they use computer vision. So Amazon announced the first store without cashiers at all. So you walk in with your phone in your pocket, it recognizes you, but logs in with your Amazon account and then uses a computer vision algorithm to basically see what you picked up around the store, watch where you go. And then when you walk out, you just literally walk out the door and it paid. Boom, the future what do you think, John? Yeah, I'm down for it. I think a couple things. No more checkout lines. <laughs> well, what do you this think? is good. Like it serves, this is like, so if we're going to do like drone delivery and stuff like that, there needs to be centralized hubs and place a distribution centers. So this gets like, this is how Amazon can compete with like Whole Foods and stuff like that, right? So like, how do you get yourself? Here's an interesting analogy to think about. There's no, there's no Walmarts in Manhattan, 
The reason that there are no Walmarts in Manhattan is because the density of bodegas and corner stores and like all the different types of stores really, really close to you that um, can serve the full gamut of things that you need, plus the combination of the amount of rent that it would cost to build the size of footprint of store that you would stores uh, that you would need to compete with that types of type of density in Manhattan means that Walmart could never exist there. It's just it would be too expensive to ever operate a, uh, a uh, enough Walmarts in Manhattan to compete with everything else going on in Manhattan. Now, if you're like, it was already hard enough for uh, Whole Foods to come in and compete with everybody else. I mean, how many years did that take them, right? Like they're at scale now, but they've been at it for like 20 years or something. So yeah, it takes a long time. It takes a long time to get yourself to be like the brand and like the place that you go. You need to have something like that people will travel an extra five or six or seven blocks for because instead of going to their Whole Foods or whatever. And so this like potentially if it's such a fast experience, obviously you're going to want to go to. And also it's hilarious that they're opening the first one in Seattle, which is basically a straight like jab in the throat to, to Whole Foods. So interesting. And then that can doubly serve as these distribution centers within uh, regional areas that you can do drone delivery and stuff like that, which we know that Amazon has been um, uh, aggressively pursuing. So that's where I think their play is. I think that it's genius. I mean, I already, I think everybody knows that I'm basically the Jeff Bezos fanboy of all Jeff Bezos fanboys. I think he's the most entrepreneur there is, but yeah, like cool. Love it. I think this is great. So a lot of people have been saying that this is the death of the cashier and like, whatever. I think that's kind of misplaced. First of all, automated checkouts already exist and are propagating everywhere. Like here in Europe, you barely talk to a person when you go to a store. So it's not the end of a cashier. No, the cashier, and the also, cashier's writing was on the wall 10 years, 10 years ago. ago? <laughs> yeah. And also like that store still needs to be restocked and they still need bakers and they still need whatever. Like they it's won't, though, because they'll get it to the, they'll get everything to the level of automation of an Amazon distribution system. Event, eventually. Yes. But for now, well, they'll probably buy prepackaged stuff, right? Like that's probably what the concept of the store is. Anyway, I don't know. It's interesting to talk about. Uh, it's kind of funny that we were talking about how Amazon is an infrastructure company and now they're making grocery stores. Like it's our food is infrastructure too. So <laughs> it kind of makes sense. I think it makes sense for Amazon to go into this. I mean, they're doing Amazon Fresh already. Why not have a store that makes the experience super nice? I mean, we're seeing a lot of this genius. like Just Eats is experimenting with um, robo delivery in the UK and Cambridge right now. So you can, you know, if the if the distance to the store is such that it makes more sense to send a robot like delivery carrier thing than a bike messenger, then they'll send out the uh, robo delivery. Um, and there was a couple of review, right. like articles that I read. Someone put it in the Slack actually, and there was a couple articles I read about it that uh, people really like it. Like they, this robot appears, and it's like here's your delivery. I'm sure it's it really cool. You a little code to put in so that you can like unlock it. And you just open and it, open it, and like yeah. So. That's cool. And so I think like that's more and more probably what we're going to see over the next five, 10 years. And so it makes so much sense for them to be doing this. Like if I was them, that's probably what I would do too. Boom. All right. Good podcast, John. I have to go eat food. Did we talk about Angelus and Product <laughs> Hunt? Or are we not going to skip that? 
Nah, let's do it next week. Well, we'll just say that Angelus bought product. Angelus brought, brought product hunt, and the only reason it makes sense is that now you can get funding for your products that you put on product hunt that people put to the front, upvoted in one place, and you can hire people from the comments. Perfect. Kind of an interesting idea. It's like <laughs> a new. You can maybe skip the VCs. Probably not though. Reminds me of probably reminds not. me of quickly or whatever it was quickly. Oh God! Remember that? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Like Product Hunt was always going to either put ads or get acquired by somebody. So here we are. All right, Good John. Time. Good talk. I'm going to go eat my Enjoy. food. <laughs>